I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. So it is a beautiful thing to be in this new year, new guests, new earth thing, right? Okay, whatever. But y'all still here, so I'm glad. And the brother I have on the show today is so dynamic. We've had a couple conversations just, you know, here and there. And I'm always intrigued by what he's got to say because he makes me think, and y'all know, it takes a lot to make me think <laughs> because I like to be challenged. So he definitely does that. So Anthony Parker Gills is with us. Hey, Anthony. How you doing? Wonderful. How are you over in St. Louis? I'm doing good. No complaints. We got a chance to wake up this morning. So no complaints on my end. Yeah, I heard that. Mm, you know, another day, another opportunity to get it right, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I've already told them that you're dynamic and I wasn't trying to gas you up. I'm just saying what's true. Because, I mean, <laughs> you know, when we talked before and you asked me a few questions, I'm still pondering some of those answers. And, you know, you've definitely been pouring into me, too, since we've connected. So, Anthony, I would really love for you to tell everybody who you are and where you're from and, and what it is that you do. Right, yeah, so my name is Anthony Parker Gills. I grew up on the south side of Chicago my whole life until I was 18 years old. I went to public elementary school, Foster Park, and then I went to Hales Franciscan High School, so all-boy Catholic high school, and going to Hales uh, really changed my life for the better. I kind of feel like if I didn't go to Hales, I wouldn't be where I am today. So like I said before, I grew up in Chicago my whole life, and I went on to college, Western Illinois, my first two years of college. And I majored in business because I wanted to wear suits, which was really interesting. And now that I'm older, hmm. <laughs> yeah, now that I'm older, I think about that now, and uh, that wasn't the uh, best idea. So business was my first major. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> then I switched to criminology and criminal justice. And then I transferred my last two years and graduated at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale with my bachelor's. Awesome. So what led to the, the transfer, if you don't mind me asking? A few different things. So um, Western Illinois is in Macomb, Illinois. It's kind of like in the middle of nowhere, a whole bunch of cornfields. The The main attraction there was was a Walmart. And it really, really wasn't too much. Um, <laughs> it really wasn't too much uh, there. I knew a good amount of people there from my high school, but it wasn't a lot really going on. And then I got into a serious relationship with my now wife, Brianna Parker, and I knew that she was going to Missouri University, Missouri. So I wanted to transfer to another school to be closer to her and then be able to have access to, you know, see her a lot more often. Okay, so what you want to do for love, huh? I know, right? And so it's interesting because y'all met when you were 16, right? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, how long ago it was. I know, right? That's it's, been a, I, it's been a minute. It's I been a minute. About that. I think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, y'all been in the game for like for a long time. Look, people don't think that young folk, for lack of better words, can you know, can be in in strong, healthy, long, long term relationships. But clearly, y'all y'all in there. And then you said her name was Parker. So, and I thought we talked about it before. Do you mind telling the folks what you did? 
All right, yes. So my name was originally Anthony Gills till me and my wife, Brianna, got married. Her last name is Parker. So I came up with the idea of, I know that she always wanted to keep her last name because it means a lot to her. So she wanted mm-hmm. to, like in the beginning, kind of hyphenate her last name. So basically add Gills on. But um, I took the initiative to say, I feel like we should both do it to really start, you know, our own legacy, our own family. Mm-hmm. You know, marriage is something that was new to, to both of us. So I really wanted for us to start our own legacy Parker Gills means a lot to the both of us. We want to uh, kind of keep that uh, tradition legacy going on. So I came up with the idea to do that. And the really interesting thing about it is that I get asked a lot about it. I love to tell a story because it means a lot to me. Absolutely. Because, you know, when we first talked, I was like, Parker Gills, you know, it's different that you have a hyphenated last name. You're a guy. And yeah. a lot of times it's a blend of a name from parents sometimes. And then you told me that. And I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. I am such a fan. Uh, <laughs> I love that you are willing to honor your wife and honor her desire in that kind of way. And to see that this is really the union that y'all are creating such that you wanted to start your own legacy. And it was a great way to blend the two. So I was like, bravo, bravo. This is a new hobby. <laughs> you know, um, Because it's exciting and it's very, in my opinion, very feminist as well because of the fact that she didn't have to lose her identity to be married to you, you know, so it's very new age. And so shout out to you for that. But also shout out to your future in-laws who are going to have to do a real big name change. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like all good, though, all good. So something that has been interesting about conversations that we've had or at least conversation we've had is that you didn't necessarily have mentors throughout your collegiate experience. So it wasn't until after the fact that you started to really dig into having folks to really like pour into and help you out. What was that like for you? It was good. It was life changing. And I believe part of the reason why I didn't have a lot of mentors when I was an undergrad, one reason I wasn't too much focused on it first gen, I really didn't know too much about college. I just knew that I had to go, I wanted to go, and I needed to get good grades. So I mainly just focused on getting good grades and I really wasn't Mm -hmm. too much involved in undergrad, didn't really seek any internships or mentorship. And I, and I thought that the jobs were just going to start come calling once we came mm. um, my senior year. But uh, that didn't happen. But I had a few good people in my corner that really guided me and told me that um, I should really consider going to graduate school. And basically, I took everything that I learned from undergrad as far as what it is that I did not do. And I, and I said that mm. graduate school is going to be basically my second chance Mm-hmm. to really take advantage of all the opportunities. And I started to do that once I got into graduate school. That's really cool. So thinking about mentorship, how do you even define what a mentor is? Because I know that mentorship and sponsorship you know, are, are different. So for you, what is mentorship? Right, yeah, that's a good question. I would say mentorship is somebody that can help guide you in the right direction. If that's a career focus, if that's personal that's having a closer relationship with God if you're spiritual and all those Mm. different type of things. But somebody that can really give you the mental jewels and the tools that you need to go on to be successful, to achieve your, you know, career or own personal goals. 
Mm, mental tools and jewels that resonates yeah. um, a whole lot. I like, like, I like that. <laughs> um, I really do. I like that. Like nuggets. I'm gonna try to do like quotables and tweetables and stuff because I like that mental tools and jewels. So, was there like a moment that a light bulb came on for you and you were just like, "Y'all need a mentor. I need somebody to help a brother out." Yes. When I got into graduate school, like again, first year, I really didn't know too much about graduate school or the difference between undergraduate and um, graduate school, and I knew just how important mentorship was. Uh, one of my uh, close friends, Marcus Brown, taught me a lot about mentorship, information interviews, and all those different type of things. And I said, information interviews. I'm like, what is information interview? What's this, that, and the third? And he kind of told me a lot about it. And then ever since then, I just really kind of took off with that. And, and currently now I have a few good mentors and also to have a good amount of virtual mentors as well. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Virtual mentors. How do you find those? Like, what is that? Like, I have an <laughs> right. idea, but for the people who are like, what? Yeah, yeah, um, what like, is yeah, that? Because it's like virtual. What do you mean virtual? <laughs> right. Yeah. I was doing it, but I didn't necessarily know what it was called. So basically, the virtual mentor is somebody that you haven't met yet or you only met one time, but they're doing something that you can see yourself doing or that Mm-hmm. inspires you. It may be somebody through social media, so Instagram or on LinkedIn, which I'm, I'm on a lot. And I have a lot of virtual mentors through LinkedIn and other different social media sites that I follow to learn a lot about their principles in life, different things that motivate them because I see some similarities between me and them. So a virtual mentor is just basically somebody that you necessarily have access to on a daily that you would just call, but somebody you follow virtually, you know, through um, social media, the internet and all those different things. And they really inspire you in a lot of different ways and kind of give you guidance, even though uh, you haven't met. You know, I really love that you talk about virtual mentorship for a number of reasons. And one of them being, I don't know if people have recognized it yet, but I'll just say it, you know, very straightforward. This podcast is definitely one of those things to where it's the reason I bring on first generation college graduates, not just to be able to do peer mentorship, but to be able to share our stories and what we've learned and help also the colleagues that are coming through. So love, love that you pointed that out. And even thinking about the idea of people think mentorship, you have to go and be in somebody's face all the time and just be, hey, I need you to help me. But if you read people's stories and keep up with, like you said, the work they're doing, there's a lot that you can learn through observation. So I absolutely agree with that. A lot that I've learned about being a podcaster, an educator, an entrepreneur, hadn't necessarily come from people that I've sat down and spent time with. I've studied them and their path and what they've done. And I pay attention to things. So I love that you bring that up because a lot of people don't talk about virtual mentorship and how critical it can be in our in our growth and success. So kudos to you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm actually glad that you said that. How you said you, you study them and all those different type of things. That's the thing that I do now. And I was kind of writing about yesterday on my blog. I like to study a lot of different people, career paths that I'm interested in going into. So that studying is really, really key. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Very true. Because the thing about studying folks, and it's the difference between studying and stalking. <laughs> studying is actually saying, hey, you know, I can look at your LinkedIn profile and see that you went from being an associate dean to a dean of students to a VP, or maybe you're in a different field and then you transition fields. And that actually may trigger me to reach out and say, hey, I would actually just love to have a conversation, you know, and ask you, how was this transition for you? Like it helps you to see things that are possible. But even like resources, a lot of people I, I will follow, I see what kind of books they're reading. And if I'm intrigued by who they are and what content they're putting out, then I like, oh, I want to read that book too. Maybe I can get something from it. So it's just really interesting that you 
again, you bring up virtual mentorship and, and studying folks. Tell us a little bit about your blog right quick. Right, yeah. So um, I created a blog not too long ago. So my website is anthonyparkergills.com. And I really created it because I wanted to be able to tell my story and create my brand and put myself out there so so individuals can know who I am. I'm on LinkedIn a lot, but I also I wanted to create another platform where I can express different things that I have learned throughout my career that I believe that will be helpful for college students, to young professionals, and really to anybody. But I talk a lot about higher education, because that's the field that I'm in and that I really love and have a passion for. And also to talk about marriage. Between me and my wife, I'm really passionate about marriage. I believe in it. Um, so those are two main things that you would um, see a lot on my blog is um, higher education, motivation and persistence, and then marriage too as well. Mm, absolutely. What would you say is your most favorite thing to write about on the blog? I mean, I know you have the different categories, but what is the thing that really gets you excited? To really give back. I would say to really give back. There's a lot of mm. things that so I tell students this all the time. There's a lot of things that I learned over these last five to six years that I believe is really critical and important. And I was always taught to pay it forward. So anything that I learned through mentorship or just studying different things, I want to be able to pay that forward and uh, give that back to other individuals to help them out, um, especially for people who are a little bit younger so they don't necessarily have to go through some of the things that I had to go through. I love doing it. It's a, it's a passion of mine and I feel like I get the, a lot of joy out of passing that knowledge on to other individuals. Absolutely. So let me ask you this while I just, it's on my mind. You said that you want to tell students, I mean, especially like just things that you've learned. What have you learned? Are uh, there two or three things since you've been an adult that you just really wish somebody would have told you so that you could have been like, I could have avoided all of this. Somebody just would have said something. Right. Yeah. First thing that comes to mind is how important it is to get involved on campus mm -hmm. and just overall in general and how important it is to seek mentorship and also to to get experience, to get internship experience. I got a lot of that experience once I went to graduate school, but that's the number one thing that, that I would tell students is to get experience and to get involved on campus um, early on. That'd be my number one piece of advice. Okay, so tell us as well, when you think about asking for help and being able to say, hey, I recognize I don't know these things and now I need to change it. How do you even start those conversations with people, especially people who you want to pursue as mentors? Nowadays, um, a lot, I would say, through um, email. I usually will look up the individual, find out their, their, their email information. I would have already done my studying of the individual. That's why I'll be, you know, seeking them out for mentorship and all that type of good stuff. And I would just email them. I would introduce myself, who I am, what I'm interested in, and, and basically why I'm reaching out to uh, them. And I usually basically just try to set up an uh, information interview to learn more about them, and also too for them to learn more about me, and then really just kind of go from there, I would say, through email. And then the other thing, too, I've been using is uh, LinkedIn. I would reach out to people on LinkedIn and set up meetings and stuff that way, but either, either through email or LinkedIn. That's real cool. Email or LinkedIn, and you know, y'all hear what he's saying. <laughs> Email and LinkedIn, meaning professional. <laughs> and I ain't trying to like judge people, who, you know, go through other means to get the folks. But I think that we get so caught up today in social media, especially that we forget to email people. 
and email is, is still king in professional communication. I'll say that much. It's still a really good way to connect with people in a way that if you slide in my DM and I'm not on social media, Instagram, I may not get it. And you can't be like, oh, she's not responsive because social media isn't something that people are on all the time or Facebook message. And I know sometimes people do that and it's a great icebreaker, but good follow-up communication definitely comes through email. So I'm, I'm going to throw that in there too because I see sometimes that People don't always know or understand fully the good communication and especially reaching out and you're just new to things. So, yeah. Is there anything that you would add to that about, you know, good communication, especially reaching out to people you don't know? Yes. uh, To be professional as possible, it's really, really important to be professional. professional so um, have a subject line my subject lines are usually says information interview always have a citation dear hello greetings i love greetings a lot and i spell out their their full name and um and then i really just kind of go from there but uh, being professional i would say is really really key within your emails that's one thing that i suggest because it's something that i see with some of my students and stuff now uh, don't necessarily write emails uh, properly. We would, you know, tell them a thousand times how to do it, but, but for some reason hasn't registered and stuff yet. But how important it is to be professional within your email because that's really the the first impression, especially if you have a man in person. Should you have somebody read over your emails before you send them out? I would say. Yes, especially if you are just starting off. So for me, I've been doing it for a while now. But one thing that I do is um, I do a lot of proofreading. Like I would like write out an email and read it like a thousand times before I, I, I send it off. I read it slow, read it fast. I just I would do a lot of proofreading before I send it out because it's really, really important to make sure everything's spelled correctly and everything makes sense. I got commas where I need them and all those different type of things. I would say if you're just starting out, get somebody to proofread it for sure. But then once you get a lot more practice and stuff at it, just to always proofread and proofread a lot too as well before you send out emails. I can dig that. Or get Grammarly. (laughs) Grammarly is saving lives out here in 2019, 2020. Well, it'll be 2020 when this show is out, right? Yeah, so that is uh, really funny. <clears throat> so, Grammarly, I've, I've gotten the um, application premium, and I'm like, ooh, gosh, I didn't realize I was messing stuff up like that. Yeah. But it's like when you're in a rush and you're, you know, it's not like when you're writing something out when you're in a rush. So I, I love that feedback, too. So whatever it is to look clean and be professional, then I'm, I'm with it. So thinking of all the lines of personal development, because you're definitely someone who... I've come to learn is really big and just that that growth beyond career things, you know, being a person, an individual and expanding who you are is something that I'm just like very fond of. So are there any things you're currently doing engaged in to grow? And is there like a specific area that you're trying to grow in as well? Anything that you're reading, anything that you're just on to at the moment? Yes, so I do a lot of reading. I read a lot of different articles, especially on LinkedIn and um, different things that center around higher education, even outside of the classrooms. PhD student, higher ed administration at St. Louis University. I do a lot of reading, attend different conferences, mentorship. I watch a lot of videos that um, center around higher education. A lot of different things center around higher education. And that's mainly because I want to really grow within this area, learn as much as I can. I'm really passionate about it. It's not a, like a chore for me, so I like reading about it. I probably read a higher education article a day easily because I like it a lot. Um, so that's what I really do to grow. I do a lot of studying outside of the classroom. 
because I believe that's what it takes to get to the next level. Well, what I really like about you sharing that is the idea that you do like you do things you enjoy. You truly do that. And like for you to enjoy higher education, like I'm like, me too. Somebody else in the world just likes it. Like I just like to know like what's going on right now. Like I still read articles to understand uh, what's happening at institutions regard to, you know, diversity, inclusion and how they're responding and some of these tragic incidents are happening on campus. I don't know if you've been keeping up, which you probably have been, but recently the conversation about student suicides on campus has become greater. And I'm like, well, I remember when I was in grad school, that was a topic that I, you know, I did research on that. I presented on that because I was always fascinated how institutions responded. But the level of mental health issues that are happening right now in higher ed is scary. And how we are to be responsible as professionals is sometimes even scarier because of the legal ramifications. Yeah. Anything intriguing that you've read in higher ed? I mean, since we're on it. Uh, yes, I read a lot of intriguing things. Uh, you touched on one of them. Student mental health is really, really critical, especially in this day and age. And I feel like a lot of the technological advances has a lot to do with it. And, uh, hmm. and why do you say that? Oh, man. Uh, social media is a is a really big thing, and, and as the old saying goes, you know, trying to keep up with the challenges and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. so many college students nowadays are majoring in multiple different things. Say a uh, double majoring, they are trying to you know do this and really take on a lot, or you know, try to do what it is that their parents and stuff want them to uh, do. Uh, this past fall semester, I taught at University One on One course advancing first year experience and a group of students at the end of the semester did a presentation on um, student mental health on campus and just listen to some of the different things that they were saying was really interesting showed me just like how serious uh, this is um, even though I read about it and stuff all the time and some of the other different topics that I'm interested in and read I read a lot about college presidents I read a lot about um, diversity, equity, inclusion on different campuses. I'm really big into senior leadership because um, that's my ultimate goal to become college president, really into senior senior leadership. So I try to read a lot about that and diversity, equity, inclusion is a passion of mine. So I'm reading all those different things all the time. That's cool. So you're going to be a college president one day. Yeah? Yeah? Yes, yes, yes. And then, and then, and, <laughs> yeah, and then if you ask my wife, she, she should say the same thing. <laughs> so like, you know, thinking about becoming a college president one day, what would your mission be? What would you want to do like in terms of leaving your legacy as a college president? That's a great question. I would say my mission would be what my mission is now. And that's really to help students achieve their academic and professional goals, especially students who are first generation, low socioeconomic minority students, because that's me too as well. So I really want those students to achieve their academic and professional goals. And if I was a college president, and well, when I become a college president, I will do the same thing. Like that would be my mission to help those students get to where it is that they want to get to. I'm with that. I had a really random question that just came to my mind, so I'm going to ask it. Yeah. <laughs> when thinking about mentorship, you talked about social media. How do you think social media and what students are seeing, what people are seeing, period, how do you think that's shaping what mentorship looks like beyond virtual? You think it's making it harder, you know, to be a mentor and be a good mentor, or is it even putting more pressure on us to be better mentors because of what we got to put on on the gram and everything else? Like, how do you think that's changing or shifting the mentor culture? 
right here, I would say um, both in. You know, I feel like it makes people like us who are mentors and also to have people who mentor us makes it a little bit tougher, especially with everything that's going on in today's day and age. I can see that. And also, too, for students, I think it makes it tougher for them to seek mentorship. It makes me think, you know, like, do they really, you know, think about the importance of mentorship or you know, who should be a mentor and stuff to them because of all the different things that they see on social media. It's really interesting, but it, but, but I know it's something that advocate for and, and I tell a lot of students that they should seek all the time because of the importance of it. Because mm, I was even thinking like, when I think about LinkedIn and how successful people appear. <laughs> right, but right. Like, what do they, you know, but <laughs> appear. Because I mean, like, we want to share our success and our wins and our accomplishments. And I think that's one of the greatest downsides of social media, because if you've listened to any of the other, you know, which I know you have, but I, I have a tendency to point my finger at social media for the stress it's causing folks mm-hmm. and having to keep up. But like I said, keep appearance and to be in a place where then, yeah, you know, you're doing really great. But then what happens when your life falls apart? Then everybody's pointing a finger at you like, well, what happened to them? And I just feel like it's so unfair in so many respects because we say on social media to display the highlights because we want to you know have these virtual spaces to sell ourselves companies might be you know looking for us opportunities may come up but I don't think it gives people space to just really be human that's what I'm saying I agree for sure you know I remember it wasn't that long ago I'm only going to lie my favorite social media website and I would say next to that it would be Instagram and, you know, um, like you said, everybody posts up their highlights on Instagram, basically showing off their success or what it is that they're doing. And there were times where it would, you know, make me, you know, feel a certain type of way like, man, I wish I was doing those things too as well. Hmm. You know, what is it that I have to do to, to do those things? And, you know, um, sometimes it kind of uh, gets you down. But then I, I would never forget it. It was one day, I think it was around the time where I was really thinking about putting my website and stuff like that together, where I said to myself that how I'm looking at social media, I need to change how I'm looking at it and I need to use it, use it for my benefit and not, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily to just go on there to, you know, look at everybody else's stuff, then become depressed because I'm looking at everybody else's stuff. And once I told myself mm-hmm. that, I'm going to look at social media different. Like I'm going to use these platforms to build my brand and really let individuals know who I am. Then everything changed after that for me in a positive way. I'm with that. I've really done a lot around the social media realm of changing what I look at as two. And starting December 1, I decided to get off of Facebook and Instagram to just be at peace because it's always something going on and you just always tend to catch it on social media right, right. And, but being on LinkedIn and even for like one of my reasons for being on social media really where I am right now building my career and wanting to do things that are you know just positive in that respect I've been far more productive and got a lot going on that's just really really good but also not even spending a lot of time on LinkedIn but what I'm also getting fed isn't always a bunch of junk or a bunch of rest in peace or something blew up or this accident happened and then for me somebody with anxiety you know and panic attacks and who struggle with depression a little bit as well it's just a space where 
you realize that sometimes you're on information overload and not being on social media has been significant. And I'm just like, man, you know, and I say not being on social media because I don't count LinkedIn, <laughs> but I, mean, I know it is, but it's like, you know, it's still one of those, you get a lot less trash on, on LinkedIn than you do on other sites, but it's also giving me a perspective of how to reapproach even some of the fun social media outlets in the future. Like if it's not serving me, if it doesn't make me feel happy, unfollow it, let it go, block it, hide it, keep it moving because mental health, as we talked about earlier, is really you no know, significant considering all things. No, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I totally agree. I do believe that it's good to get away from social media platforms for a while or even for some people forever, you know. Mm. I do think that that is um, a good idea for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. You are fun to talk to, and I appreciate your enthusiasm for thinking about how you can still recover, even if you feel like like you're a little bit behind. And that's being that, again, as an undergraduate student, not somebody who was very involved or really had that frame of mind about mentorship or having help but you didn't let that be an excuse for why you couldn't be successful. And then when you took to it, you really have made a lot of progress and to go back and to give back to people because of your experiences is very admirable of you. I appreciate that. The fact that that. you, oh gosh, you're very, very welcome. You're very welcome. And I really like the fact that, especially as a black male, that you are redefining what black male masculinity even looks like, even with that last name change. That's why I was so stuck on that too, because it didn't make you any less of a man to change your name, to honor your wife or her wishes or what legacy you all wanted to create. So even going to that. So a lot of uh, good things that you represent, especially as a first gen from Southside Chicago. You know, let's go back and emphasize that part. I know, right? And, and, and you know what? By, by the way, I don't know if I told you this before, but I, I have, then I'm going to tell you again. Chicago is one of my favorite cities. I love Chicago. It's probably too cold for me to go live. <laughs> I'm going to let y'all have that. But I really think Chicago is beautiful and I like Chicago more than a lot of other major cities. I'm going to just put it that, like that. Yeah, but is there anything that you like to leave us with that final thought, something for us to hold on to? I know you drop you drop bombs, so go ahead and give us one. I do have um, a few quotes slash mental Jews that I want to leave you all with. I actually heard this one today from Nick Saban. He's the coach of Alabama for Crimson Tide football team. I'm a real big football fan, college football, NFL. And he said, it's not about what you want. It's about what you are willing to do to get it. And that really resonated with me a lot. I do believe that it's good to write down your goals and to really think about what it is that you want in life. Also, too, to really think about what it is that you're willing to do slash give up to be able to achieve those goals. I believe that that's really, really key. And I just have uh, two more to leave you with. The other one is to take advantage of opportunities and a lifetime of those opportunities because Mm. sometimes opportunities come your way and you may not have forever to decide on it or to go. So it's important to take advantage of those opportunities, a lifetime of those opportunities. And two, I will leave the audience with a quote that I told you before and it goes like this. Throughout life, it's important to plant seeds and fertile soil so you can have solid roots when your trees grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love all that. I love being inspired and I love being empowered and I love being uplifted. How ironic, right? So one of my favorite, one of my favorite questions is stuff to to marinate on, but not to just marinate on to execute. So that's, that's real. Anthony, 
whew, yeah, that you have been a joy. You always are. You just really always are. And I love being in your virtual presence. <laughs> I really do. You know, I, we ain't sat down yet, but we, we going to get together. But thank you for, for being here. How do you want the folks to meet you or meet with you, connect with you on social media? I'm sure LinkedIn is one. So what's the name? <laughs> right, yeah, LinkedIn. So my name on LinkedIn is Anthony Parker Gills. Parker Gills is just hyphenated, P-A-R-K-E-R hyphen. Gills, G-I-L-L-S. I'm on LinkedIn all the time, so connect with me. Another one would be my website, Anthony Parker Gills. It's all together. It's no hyphen. that.com. I post a good amount of stuff on there. Also, too, on Instagram, my name is Mr. Parker Gills on there. For sure, on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. That'll be the, the best place to connect if you are on LinkedIn or my website as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, looking forward to all the, the big things you're going to do, Sir President. President Parker Gills. Excuse me. Um, Go ahead and speak that thing into existence and wishing you well with the rest of your academic studies. Thank you for going as far as you have and know that we here in the First Gen Lounge, we got your back. We're cheering you on. And, you know, thanks again for being here. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me on this. I I really appreciate this. I don't take things like this lightly. And I just want to give kudos uh, to you two as well for being a Black woman entrepreneur Uh, We need more of you all out here. And I appreciate what you're doing. I wish you nothing but success. I will continue to support you and promote you. And I just really love seeing my black women do a lot of positive things. Oh, man. Thank you. Okay. So, look, here you go again. You get me started. I thank you so much. I definitely appreciate it. All right. Till the next time. I appreciate it.